I'm so glad to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. And one thing I'm sure that would help in any of our lives is saving more on prescription drugs. And I'm going to tell you something that is very controversial. It was in the news briefly about a month ago, and I want to explain to you why it created so much tumult when it was talked about as a way to save on prescription drugs. Also, Walmart is doing something I've long believed in, and that's giving more of its people a stake in the game where they are rewarded for their work and for the success of the company. It's my belief that's how you get people to treat the place they work as if it's their own. So I, for 20 years, have encouraged listeners who face a a brutal bill for a prescription drug. Typically, these will be brand names that are not available in generic to cross into Canada to get them. And this is something people in the northern tier states have done for so long, I can't remember. Where, you know, most big Canadian cities are close to the U.S. border. A lot of Americans in the Northeast, New England, all across the Canadian border, all the way to Washington State, have crossed into Canada to fill expensive prescription drugs. And there have been attempts over the years for people to be able to import them through the mail, which is something that the United States has been of two minds about. Well, the state of Florida put down a gauntlet recently and said, we are going to import drugs for some of our citizens from Canada. And that set off an earthquake. The reason it did is, think of the population of Florida, it's not much less than the population of the entire country of Canada. The Canadians freaked out because if the Floridians are getting their drugs from Canada, and then all the people who've quietly done so over the years from the northern tier states, then are those drugs going to then become in short supply or unavailable for Canadians? This is only a little part of the puzzle because the real problem is we pay by far the highest drug costs in the world in the United States. We essentially, with our high prices, fund drug company research and development for the entire world because everywhere else in the world has price fixing on prescription drugs. So as someone who is so into the free market, my solution would be to not have price fixing elsewhere in the world. But the reality is we do have price fixing going on everywhere else. And I actually like Americans going across the border to fill prescriptions because it brings pressure on the U.S. market to lower the prices to take away the economic incentive for Americans to cross the border. The Florida thing, I'm skeptical that it's ever going to work. But the problem we've got is why are we funding the R&D for everywhere on earth. And that's why we have these price disparities that are so great. 
And so, believe it or not, for people who take an expensive brand name drug who live elsewhere in the United States, it is worth it to get on a plane and fly to Canada, fill your prescription, and fly back because of how much money you'll save for a medicine you need to take per month that is so much money in the United States. That's bizarre and weird, isn't it? But that is where we are today. I do want to say, though, be very careful when you live along the southern tier near the Mexican border. I shared this with you back, I think, in November, that there's been a real problem with counterfeit drugs being sold at pharmacies in Mexico. And so you'll cross thinking you're saving money and what you're getting isn't at all necessarily what you're supposed to, what you think you're getting. According to the research done, it was a a long investigative journalist piece, multiple pieces by the Los Angeles Times, where they found having lab tested drugs that roughly half the time the drugs purchased across the southern border in Mexico are counterfeit. That's not an issue when you go across the Canadian border. But the big problem is that drugs cost so much overall. And you've heard me talk about the ways so many times, so many ways, how you can save on buying prescription drugs right here in the good old USA. And we have more and more price competition on generics. The problem that a percentage of the marketplace faces is when you must take for the medical condition you have, you must take a brand name and you cannot take a generic equivalent for it because it doesn't exist yet. That's where Canada is a potential relief that can make such a difference in your wallet where so many people abandon a prescription, don't take it or take a reduced dose because they can't afford what the price is for it here in the U.S., We've got Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drugs. We've got the enormous savings you get as a Sam's Club member, particularly Sam's Club Plus member, filling prescriptions at Sam's and then filling prescriptions at Costco. Krista, I had to go yesterday to pick up a prescription at Costco. It's like roulette. You have no idea what a prescription is going to (laughs) cost. Yeah. So I go to get this one and it was 96 cents. Oh, my gosh. It wasn't worth their employees' time to fill the prescription, but because of the low markup Costco does on prescription drugs, I was like, really? I'm using a credit card to pay for a 96-cent prescription? Wow. That's the lowest I've ever, well, other than zero, the lowest I've ever heard. Okay, you ready for questions? I'm ready. Okay, these two are similar, so I put them together. Mark in Pennsylvania says, my daughter moved to England, got married, and it appears she'll be staying there for the rest of her life. I need an easy, secure, and cheap method to send her money. And Alex in Washington says, I have a fiancé and a child in Malawi, Africa. I send money frequently while waiting for my fiancé's visa. Also, I'm supporting some programs I started as a Peace Corps volunteer. I currently send the money through MoneyGram. Is this the best way? All right, so let me deal with the question separately, even though you asked them together. Although in both cases, Revolut might work. Not for giving to the organizations you support as a Peace Corps volunteer, having been in Africa. But Revolut is a brilliant product. 
you give your fiance a Revolut card and Mark, you would give your daughter a Revolut card. And in each case, you can load it with U.S. dollars and have them use it in local currency and pounds in your case, Mark. And I'm sorry, I don't know what currency they use in Malawi, but uh, Revolut is a great solution when somebody is regularly going to be given money by you where you can load it electronically on it. The exchange rate on a Revolut card is really great. And I do read from time to time consumer complaints about the Revolut product, but I find it to be the best for this kind of situation. When somebody's just once in a while sending money to somebody, there's another source I've liked for years, and it's WISE. WISE is a money transfer service. They used to have a different, longer name. I don't remember. But I don't even remember anymore what the I feel like I need to spell was. it W-I-S-E, even though that's the traditional spelling because of WISE cam. I just think we should oh, which spell is, it. Yeah, I'm not going to say how you spell WISE. Revolut, R-E-V-O-L-U-T. Right. And there are many, many money transfer services These two have specialized on people that are regularly sending money, offering lower commissions to send the money, and I like both of them a lot. Lou in Illinois says, are home equity loans or HELOCs better if I need to do repairs to my house, and would you recommend a particular company or credit union? Credit unions are much better in terms of the interest rates they offer, particularly on home equity loans, which are fixed rates. Uh, The most popular product is a five-year fixed rate. And their interest rates are so much cheaper than bank rates, typically credit union to bank, that it's almost silly how much cheaper they are. Um, HELOCs really vary in the marketplace. And the question of when you use which depends on your circumstance. Now, we're at a time of higher interest rates, and interest rates are almost certainly headed lower later this year. They're not going back to where they were several years ago when they were artificially being held down. But as the marketplace uh, bakes in the lower inflation we're having, the interest rates we're going to have overall, the rates that are used to base HELOCs, which is the prime rate, the prime rate's going to go down. So the HELOC for shorter-term borrowing, works fine. If you're going to do improvements to your home, repairs to your home, you can pay off. I would say at this point, normally I would say 18 months. Now I would say 24 to 30 months. Do a HELOC. It's going to take you more than two and a half years. That's when you want to do the home equity loan. So again, uh, for a home equity loan, it's going to take you five years to pay it back then absolutely positively a credit union, HELOC, you just got to shop the market and see who will offer you the best deal. Goran in Georgia says, I'm getting a sizable tax return this year. I'm working with my company. I'm withholding for 24. I'm debating whether to put it towards my auto loan, which is at 6.7%, or into my emergency fund, which currently sits at one month's worth of expenses. I'm adding more money to it weekly. It's earning 4.85% interest. 
I've read it's more valuable to build up the emergency fund, but I'm nervous about being upside down in my auto loan. Any advice is appreciated. So Goran, I'm gathering if you're upside down in your auto loan, you have a longer auto loan or you bought a vehicle when prices were really elevated a few years ago. So I'm comfortable with you since you're already on a trend line of slow and steady building up that savings account using the tax refund to reduce the principal on that auto loan. But in order to know if that's ultra efficient, you need to dig out your auto loan papers and you need to see if your interest is calculated on a formula known as a simple interest loan. Depending on where you got your loan, there are dishonest dealers and sometimes dishonest banks that will put you in a loan that will be, instead of saying simple interest, we'll refer to sum of digits or rule of 78s. It's a method of cheating you on interest on a loan if you prepay it or if, let's say, you get rid of a vehicle before the loan is paid off. So as long as your auto loan is a simple interest loan, do exactly what you're thinking of doing. Put that tax refund against the balance because from that day you do so all those dollars you put in from that refund will never have that 6.7 percent interest again on the other hand if you're in a cheater loan that one of these dishonest loans that some digits are rule of 78 you can prepay you'll still have to pay pretty much all the interest so all you're doing is reducing the balance you're not having the impact you want so in that case, you instead, and this is why reading the loan document is so important, you instead put the money in your savings account. If you have uh, something where the upside down hurts you, you take the money from your emergency fund and then you put it towards the vehicle loan. And key lesson for every person listening, watching, whenever you are taking out an auto loan, whenever, the only auto loan that is honest, decent, right, fair, is one that is a simple interest loan. Any other lingo there, that lender, that dealer is cheating you. They are ripping you off and don't let them do it. This is prevention, the best cure. Coming up ahead, I believe business is tough and easy at the same time. How do you make something tough competing with whoever your competitors are and at the same time make it easy? It's how you treat your people. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself 
and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, it's funny. Sometimes you can teach an old dog new tricks. Walmart, which I've long believed and I've said, and it's annoyed people, that Walmart is the greatest anti-poverty program we've ever had in the United States because they are such an efficient distributor of affordable food and goods that they've helped people stretch their dollar in ways that did not exist before Walmart. At the same time, Walmart, and rightly so, got a lot of bad attention for treating its workers really badly. Walmart's business model for so long was just to churn through people so they'd never have to raise wage rates. You know, Walmart would get the bad publicity about how many of its full-time workers were on food stamps because they were getting so little money. And that was who Walmart was. But Walmart has changed. Workers are being treated much better now. Uh, They have access in many cases to health care, even if they're part-time. They have access to 401k. They have much better starting wages and ongoing wages. The company also is doing a better job honoring the wishes of employees for shifts. Now, if you're a Walmart worker and that's not happening in the store you're in, I'm sure there are stores where the managers aren't looking at this the right way, which is to remember you're a human being, you have family responsibilities and all the rest, and giving you a schedule that works in your life. But another issue Walmart's had is they haven't been treating their managers well enough. And Walmart now is raising pay for its store managers, raising bonuses for store managers, and granting stock to store managers. This is what it should be about. You know, capitalism works best when an employer looks at its employees, not just with a bunch of slogans, but with actions that show that when the company does well, the employee does well. My thing for Walmart, you're going the right direction here. When a store does well, you know who else should be granted stock? The employees in the store. The more you engage employees where they feel a stake in the game, the more effort you get from them. You know, I believe so much that when employees are treated like owners, that the business makes more money. Okay, so this is weird because a lot of bosses try to be cheap with workers thinking they're going to make more money. But the reality is when you reward the success of the business, not just to yourself, but to the workers as well, the workers work harder, they stay more loyal, they're less likely to leave, and voila, you make more money. Turnover is brutal in a business. Constantly having to retrain people, man, the expense of having an employee who doesn't care about the place they're working. Think about how many times 
a business that you and I do business with as a customer, how they suffer reputational harm because an employee who is frontline, who deals with the public, has bad attitude, doesn't care, treats us badly. Think about the reverse. You treat people well who work for you. As I've always said, you romance your employees so they will romance the customer, not in a creepy way. <laughs> yes, let's clarify that for yeah. sure. And so I always have to qualify the meaning of that expression is loaded now, mm-hmm. and it was not long ago. But Maybe it should have been, but it wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, people have heard me say that over the years, have listened to me a long time, yeah, or watched me a long not time. You're not a creep. Clark so Howard I have, is not I have a creep. To, I have to qualify what I mean by that. <laughs> All right. Let's go to some questions. Brant in Arizona says, my son has completed a master's in mental health counseling. He has learned that new graduates, he has an associates in the state of Washington, are way overworked and grossly underpaid and their clients' lives are in their hands. He could just about make the same income working at McDonald's. Right. Do you have any insight as to associate jobs in mental health that are actually pair well what they deserve for the time and effort that is required of this job. We hear people talk about the need for more mental health providers, yet one main reason for a shortage is that they are not compensated for their noble efforts. Hence, many cannot support themselves and are forced to leave the profession. You just stated the problem as eloquently as you could. This is a problem all over America where you hear about people who need mental health counseling who cannot get it because the reimbursement model, the pay model, is so broken. You know, Congress thought it did its work years ago by requiring health insurers to treat mental health level with uh, physical health. And insurers have never followed even the letter of that, forget the spirit. So there's an extreme shortage of people, I hate to call it an industry, but in the industry, because of exactly what you said. Now, what tends to happen in mental health counseling is that people will, just as you said, start off in a job where they're overworked, they have a big burden of responsibility, they're making, as you said, what you make at McDonald's now, and they either burn out and leave the profession or they get experience, and then eventually they hang up a private shingle and they go into private practice, many of the providers in private practice no longer accept insurance insurance of any kind. So it becomes something for the upper middle class or above for therapy. And so people in the middle class and below end up without adequate connection to mental health counseling. You have stated the problem exactly. This is a societal, cultural problem that we don't devote enough resources to it. Because if somebody's, you know, it's long been said, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And that's two parts. If somebody's mental health is not okay, they're not okay. Somebody's physical health is not okay. They're not okay. They're very intertwined too. Right. So this is something we need to fix as a country. And I hope that for as long as your son can afford to, that he, as long as he is fulfilled by it, stays in the profession because he's needed 
so badly. Chris in New York says, this isn't a question, but a bit of encouragement for people hoping to buy a first home. My newlywed granddaughter and her husband in their 20s are super savers and hard workers. They just pay cash for their home, albeit a fixer-upper, but perfectly livable for those with modest needs. They have a healthy emergency fund and a fund for improvements. It can be done. Wow. Chris, I love this. And you know, it all depends on the cost of real estate and the market. You're in New York. I assume your granddaughter and her husband did not buy in the New York City metro area. (laughs) If they're in New York, they bought upstate where housing is more affordable. What's happened is we've got this split in the country where some of the urban areas, no matter how good a saver you are, it's become cost prohibitive to buy a home. And then we have wide swaths of geography in the United States where homes are still affordable to someone like your newlywed granddaughter and her husband, who in their 20s were able to pay cash for a fixer-upper. I mean, that's amazing. Isn't that wonderful? Most people in their 40s or 50s couldn't do that. That's I mean, pretty... I think about, you know, people who know my backstory that I bought my first home at 22. I bought a foreclosure and I was able to buy it with, this is going to blow people's minds. I had to scrape up $1,800 down to buy that foreclosure. I mean, the market is so much harder for people coming up today. It does require extreme habits, Chris, just like your granddaughter and her husband have. And it also requires geography to work in your favor. Love it. Michelle in New Jersey says, I'm wondering if you think it's a bad idea to take money out of my Roth IRA to pay down $10,000 in credit card debt. The interest rate is over 18%. I have other savings that I can use, earning about 4% now, but I'm worried about using that because it's all I have right now in liquid savings. Sad I know at my age. I am 62 years old. Also, have you ever considered being on the show Shark Tank? I think you'd bring such a fresh outlook and vibe to the show. I'd be terrible on Shark Tank because I'm so optimistic. I'd love every pitch. Mm -hmm. I'd have a lot of trouble being discerning because I just love the enthusiasm of somebody who comes up with an idea and is trying to make it work. I'd I'd be a bust on that show. And I wouldn't know how to be mean to people like they can be. You don't have to be. You don't? Okay. So, Michelle, first of all, stop beating yourself up. You know, you are where you are and you have a Roth to even Mm -hmm. think about pulling money from. A lot of people don't have a penny saved in a retirement account. So don't don't pick on yourself. And savings. Well, that's where I'm going to next. Don't pull money from your Roth. Your Roth is growing tax-free. The money you have in savings is being taxed, the earnings you have each year. So I know that's your liquid savings. Use it to pay down the balance on the credit cards, even though it creates now a risk for you in a time period where you have uh, eaten into your savings. And then what you do is every month moving forward, the money you would have been paying towards the credit cards to service them, you put into building your savings back up with now no credit card debt. So the money in your Roth, If you do what I said, and a month later, something happens, something breaks, you have to fix or whatever, 
only then would you, as a last resort, pull contributions from your Roth in order to pay for whatever that is. You're old enough, it doesn't even have to be contributions. You can you can pull anything. You, you don't have to classify it as contributions or earnings. But that would be your backup plan till you rebuild your savings. And be happy that you have those two things. You have the Roth. You have your savings. We're not talking about, I have this credit card debt. I'm in my 60s and I don't have a penny to my name. That's not Mm -hmm. what you said. This is just what's the best tactic to use to get rid of that ugly high interest credit card debt. And of course, goes without saying, you can't use the credit cards going forward. You haven't accomplished anything if you pay off the credit cards and then use them again. And at that point, you've reduced your savings or eliminated your savings. So that will get you into a fresher place when you're not carrying that credit card debt at all. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Hope you've enjoyed. If you watch the YouTube show, great to have you along. If you listen to the podcast and this is your first time, I hope you'll hit the subscribe button and subscribe to our podcast. If you're new to us, you may not know that for 31 years, 31 years, last week was our birthday, we answer your questions one-on-one for free. We have uh, both paid staff and volunteers in the Team Clark Consumer Action Center who answer your questions about your wallet. And if you want to know how to talk to someone, we're available office hours 30 hours a week, go to clark.com slash CAC. What are we about here? That you learn ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off.